Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? i 
you may be seated. Good morning. It's a glorious morning. Why is it a good morning? It's Sunday morning. I don't know what your measuring stick for good is. You know, maybe you got your coffee this morning or, you know, you got over here without any kind of issue or whatever. Uh, maybe you're here today and it's not a good morning because some other things happen. What makes it a good morning all the time is that God's love and mercy and grace is new every single day. We wake up and his mercies are new for you, for me, for this world. So I'm glad that you've come here into God's house or online, uh, being a part of the worshiping community. Uh, we welcome all, we especially are welcoming our guests. We're glad you're with us in worship. And uh, we invite you to come back. We also like to get to know you. A couple ways in which you can get to know. Um, I'm just smiling because oh, don't look. Don't look. But my two granddaughters are here t today in worship. Okay, don't, don't look. They're like right over there. <laughs> and I asked uh, Bella if she would come up, and she, she, she goes, no, no. But uh, So they're, they're guests, you know, daughter, son-in-law, so really good to hear, have them here. But we'd like to get to know you. A couple ways to do it. If you're on Facebook, just put in the comment section, good morning. That'll let us know you're here. You can also text 1C guest to 94,000. That's a great way to do it. You could stop if you would, at Next Steps um, in the family gathering area, you, we get to know you there as well. Secondly, prayer time. A little bit later, we're going to have prayers, and if you have a prayer request that you would like included in worship today, um, we invite you to do it. Now, there's a couple ways to do it. Facebook, you can use the comment section. We'll gather those. Also, if you want to text 402-242-5051, That'll get it to us. You can also, um, out in the family gathering area, we have a box and we have some sheets of paper. You can do it that way as well. Um, another announcement about communion here at 1C. We have communion every single week, and we believe it is a gift that God has given to his people. And we believe very specifically that the Bible says it is bread and wine or juice and also the body and blood of Jesus. So if that's your belief, we would love for you to join us in worship, uh, worship and for communion. And uh, we do it two different ways. If you want to stay in your seat and have communion, you can get those individual um, communion elements in a packet, and that's at the kitchen window. So if you didn't get it coming in, you can go during the next song. Um, also, we'll have continuous communion, and we'll give you instruction about that a little bit later in the service. All right, I'm trying to think, what announcements do we have? Exploration, exploration, Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, I don't know about you, you have to put gas in your vehicle, right? And you drive, and then all of a sudden you have to put more gas in the vehicle. I think that's what happens spiritually. So you can come here, be here on Sunday, but can you imagine maybe halfway during the week to get a refill? And so Wednesdays, every Wednesday, we gather together, 5.30, we have a meal, 6 o'clock, uh, just a short 15-minute worship experience, and then 6.30, we have many different uh, Christian education offerings for all ages. So if you would, just take a look at our website, you could see things that we have going on um, in, in Christian education for you. So that's on Wednesday, so I'd love to see you come and be a part of that. And, and so that's Wednesdays. 
Also, I'm going to look over here, Chris. September 19th. 19th. Like That's last right. week I got it wrong at the first service. This week I got it wrong at the first service. <laughs> well, we didn't have the slide updated either, so yeah. it's not your fault. But yeah, so September 19th, it's a Sunday night. We're going to be showing uh, or having uh, Stars Go Dim here and uh, Dan Bremnis. And I actually got to see Dan Bremnis a couple years ago in Lincoln. And uh, it's a great Christian artist. It's going to be a great night of, of fellowship and, and hope, you know, all in Jesus. And uh, it should be a really good time. Tickets are $15 each. They're available on the website. And uh, want to see as many people here as possible. Yep. Yeah. Again, for your sake, come and be fed and nurtured. I mean, it's great. But also think about people in your life, circle of influence, that, you know, maybe they would be encouraged about hearing Jesus, about Jesus with music. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, it's a little awkward sometimes sharing your faith. But to be able to have music tell the story I think it's a unique way to do it. So think about people, family, friends, coworkers, classmates, somebody that you would think would be blessed. We'd love to have them come with you. All right, I think that's it for announcements. Let's continue to worship.
Come on up for the kids' message. You can come right up front here. Find a seat on the floor. There is plenty, for, plenty of room for you to gather around. All right. Well, come on up. And as you make your way up, I want to let you know that we are looking at Psalm 95 today. And so I wanted to read the first seven verses of Psalm 95 as we get started. All right. And so this is Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock of his care. That is a great psalm. It's, it's a call for us to come and worship God. And we get to worship God with hearts who love him. And not only that, but the God we worship is the king of all kings. He is above all things. He's made all things. And he holds them all together in his hand, and he is worthy of our praise. And that reminds me of something that I've seen recently. And maybe it's something that you've experienced recently since you've gone back to school. If you have a pet, do you have a pet? Raise your hand if you have a pet. Ooh, a lot of you have pets. All right, so this might look familiar to you. We're going to watch a video, and you see if this looks familiar to you, okay? Thank <laughs> you. 
Isn't that a great view? That puppy is so happy to see his master. He was just standing at the window, wagging his tail, couldn't wait for him to come home. And then he ran to the door, grabbed his favorite towel or blankie, whatever that was, and just sat there and waited and waited. And then as soon as he heard the door, he jumped up and down. He was so excited. And then as soon as his master walked through the door, what did he do? He dropped his, his favorite towel and then pulled the backpack off of his master and then grabbed his jacket by the hood and pulled that off and took it away because he was so excited that his master was home and he didn't want him to leave again. So he took his jacket away and he said, I want you to stay here with me forever. I want to be with you all the time. And I think that's a great picture of what worship looks like. We have hearts that love God. We want to be with him. We can't wait to come and be with God and we don't want him to leave. We want to always be with him. And I think that's a great picture of what worship looks like. And you know what? That puppy wanted him to know how excited he was, doesn't he? And I think God loves to see when we are super excited to worship him. So when we worship God, we can jump up and down like that puppy. We can sing. We can dance. And we can just be so filled with joy and happiness that we're with God. And you know what? We can, we can pray to God. So let's go ahead and worship him in prayer. We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for always being with us and allowing us to be with you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats. Thanks for coming up this morning.
Jesus was on this earth, there's many things he said, but there's a, a phrase that he said that is very stirring to me. Uh, he said, come unto me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's an invitation. He says, come. And I think, you know, I really think he knows why he had to say it, because he knows humanity. He knows that we are burdened, and we're burdened by so many things, but we are burdened with something very specific that would, well, if we were left on our own, would cause trouble forever, and it's called sin. So he says, come to me, because he's the one that can deal with sin and bring forgiveness and life with him forever. As we prepare now to receive communion, I'm going to take us on a journey of prayer, of confession, and of a reminder of his grace and mercy that he gives to all of us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that gracious invitation for us to come to you. And this morning in this place, whether in your house or online, we, we struggle with something called sin, and it is ever with us. It is such a heavy burden that we could not shake by ourselves. So thank you for all that you did 2,000 years ago as you were... Well, you allowed yourself to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, and placed on a cross. And you did all of that in order to make the payment for sin, for our sin. And we thank you that the grave could not hold you, that on the third day you rose again from the dead, and you have shown the world for all time the victory that is ours. So thank you for all of this grace and we ask now that you would give us an extra measure of faith to be able to believe and to receive this very special meal, the, your supper, Holy Communion.
May we have faith to believe that sins are forgiven, faith is strengthened, and you remind us once again that you are always with us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Now as we continue with the distribution of the Lord's Supper, uh, just a reminder, if you are going to be taking communion where you're seated and you have those little elements anytime during the song, as the Spirit moves you, receive those elements believing it is the body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness. And then for those of you that will come forward during this song, as the Spirit moves you, just come forward and just know that as you come and receive, we have both um, regular bread and but we, unleavened bread, but we also have gluten-free. So if you need that, just let us know. Kind of put your finger up. Also, if you would like juice instead of wine, do the same thing and we'll serve you and we will rejoice in this gift together. May uh, you be blessed in this very special time. Amen.
And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Good morning, Lord. We sang this morning, Oh, my soul, you are not alone. And what a reminder. Before you ascended into heaven, you left these words, I will never leave you or forsake you. We depend on that. All our lives you have been faithful. And we know that as we bring prayers to you this morning, you are faithful to hear to take these prayers into your hands, to mold them, to shape them, to hold them in your heart, and then return your answer in your time and your way. So Jesus, we come to you with our petitions. We're praying for a healing for Carol Jordan, who's healing from a hip injury after a fall. Lord Jesus, please be with Nancy. Improve the blood cell count, protect her, and strengthen her immune system so that she can continue treatment. We ask you for complete healing and peace and comfort for Jim and their family. Lord, we're lifting up a prayer for a friend as he grows in his knowledge of you and your love. And we are bringing prayers for Haiti and Afghanistan for doctors and nurses and all those who are serving in these countries that are caring for those who are suffering great losses. And we are praying for those who are being persecuted for their faith. And again, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan. May the persecution they face keep their faith strong. Lord God, we lift Alan up to you. Please provide a kidney and a transplant soon. Sustain his health and comfort him with your presence. Lord, I ask you to be with Cora. May the Lord touch her heart and may she see how keeping my son from me hurts my boy and me. And may the Lord send his spirit to go with my son. Jesus, a prayer that this person's family would stay healthy and a prayer that Luther does not have a kidney infection. And Jesus, we are praying for a mother-in-law, healing and strength after losing her leg this week. And for my father-in-law, for patience dealing with the new challenges with his wife. And a prayer, Jesus, that you would be with, with my pet, my dog, who's four and isn't doing very well. All of these you have heard. You know these hearts, Lord. You know why these prayers are being brought forth. Send forth your spirit. And Lord, in your mercy, carry these good folks as they continue to kneel before you. And we conclude praying the prayer that you gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We continue our journey with summer psalms. I think the banner kind of lets you know what we're doing. And we've been walking through each of um, different psalms. We're not going to do all 150 of them, but we're just picking some along the way. And if you remember, I, I said that the summary of the psalms is very simple. Human condition, God's solution. Human condition, God's solution. Well, um, we're going to be taking a look at Psalm... <laughs> Eric, you are so good. Um, it was supposed to be Psalm 96. If you had that sheet of paper originally, and then in the beginning of the week, I was thinking, you know, I want to go, I want to do Psalm 95. And so, Eric, you are, you are really good. All right, so with Psalm 95, we're going to have some fun with it. Before we get into it, um, I just want to tell you that I have been very aware of what's called information overload. Do you know what that is? Okay. I also think that there is something else related to that, but a little different. It's called invitation overload. And I found a, um, a picture with a little um, info on there. It says, consumers are bombarded by 3,500 to 5,000 marketing messages a day. I don't know about you. There is so many invitations out there that marketing people are wanting you to accept. And I would like to say it this way. We could be driving on Highway 30, right, coming down this way. I believe every single business there is actually trying to do this. Come here. Come here. Don't you want a roast beef sandwich? All right, or my insurance, or my car that I sell, or whatever business it is. I mean, they're all kind of saying, come here, come here, and we are constantly bombarded. Just as we drive, we could look at a billboard, and it's inviting us to do something or to buy something. Now, I don't know about your emails, but I get lots of emails a day. Some of them are, I call legitimate emails, and some are invitations, Right? get this or buy that. If you go on to um, the web, I mean, constantly one thing after another is trying to invite us and entice us. Uh, and and it, it, it just keeps saying, come this way, come this way. And some of those, I'll just say, are, are just fine. I mean, they're just, they're, they're good. But there are some invitations out there that are not good. We are bombarded with one invitation after another. And we're going to be, not bombarded, we're going to be confronted and encouraged with an invitation today. And it comes from Psalm 95. And we look at the very first words of the psalm. O come. Think about it. Um, really don't know the context or the story of what's going on with the psalm writer of Psalm 95. We don't know. Uh, but we do know that they are desiring to be in worship with God. Whatever circumstance they're going on, they see that there's something better out there and is now trying to encourage. And so those words, O come. 
And I do believe, isn't that the way Jesus is? I use that, uh, the quote of where Jesus has come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I mean, there is one invitation after another that we find in the Bible where God says, I want to be in a relationship with you. I love you. I want you to love me. I mean, that was the covenant relationship that God had with Abraham. I will be your God and you will be my people. That was an invitation, an encouragement. It was how things were supposed to work. So God is a very inviting God. He keeps saying, come, give me a shot, give me a try, come follow me. I mean, wasn't that the message of all the disciples? Hey, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, one, time, one thing after another, one moment after another. So Psalm 95 is not unique. But we're going to find as we walk through the psalm, there are different specific callings that God is giving to people like you and me today. So let's walk through it and um, take a look at it. All right, uh, very first uh, verse, it says, Let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And I want to say this is a call to come together. The pronoun, us. I think the psalmist understood what happened with Adam. Do you remember when Adam was created? The first observation that God had about Adam was it was not good for him to be alone. He, God knew that the us factor was really important. And so this calling to come together, this calling to be together, it stands so sure that this is how God wants it. And yet we live in a world that's different. For the last 12 years, there has been a drastic decline in people coming to church. Even though the population is going up in the world, church attendance and coming together to worship has been on a very severe decline. Why? Uh, you know, the simple answer is this, sin but I think more specifically, and maybe we can start getting into this, I think we, we, we sometimes want to be off on our own. And sometimes we don't want this thing called community. Because maybe we'll be held accountable. Um, but we'll, we'll get to something a little bit more. I'll get to that. The second one is, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. A call to be God-centered. And we are to sing to the Lord. And here's where, the, where I think it's, it's happening. Um, I think, you know, doing some research back in like the 1950s, it was still pretty, um, pretty much we were living in a country that was God-centered. It really was the rhythm. But some things started happening, and it started unraveling. And I think what happened is that people, it's not the government, it's people. It's people like you and me. We take God out of the middle and we put something else in the middle. And sometimes we'll even put something in the middle that looks good. Like I see a lot of families today that put family in the middle. And you could look at that and say, isn't that a good thing? Let me give you an illustration. If you picture a wheel, a bicycle wheel, it has a hub and it has all these spokes. The spokes are only going to be as good as the 
hub. If the hub is bad, the spokes won't do much of anything. So here's what happens. When we put family in the middle, how perfect is family? If you look at the Thielen family, we're not perfect. We're not. And when I think about myself as a husband, as a father, even as a grandfather, I mean, there are times I drop the ball. I am not what I'm supposed to be. I get lazy. I get distracted. I get, you name it, I do it. And if I'm in the middle or our family's in the middle, how good is everything else going to be? And I'm watching this happen in the world today. Family's in the middle, and then all the spokes connect to it. Sports, music, recreation. I mean, you could put all the things that are kind of centering in around family, and when something happens with the family, everything starts crumbling. So let me encourage you, as the psalmist is encouraging, be God-centered. Have him be the center of everything. Center of how you schedule your 24-7. The center of how you deal with your family and your friends and your workplace and your neighbors and even your enemies. Let God be and his word the mover and the shaker for who we are and what we do. All right, let's continue. Next one. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. I believe this is a call to be vocal and vibrant. In other words, make a joyful noise. Now, we could sit here and say, well, that's what we're doing. But are we only doing it during the sacred 60? You know, when the preacher doesn't go too long, it's 60 minutes. I think the psalmist would say we should be vocal and vibrant wherever we are. See, worship or the church is not something that is four walls and is contained by 60 minutes. The church, people like you and me, are to be the church wherever we are and wherever we go. Around a dining room table, you bet. In the hallways of a classroom, you bet. When you're at the, the copy machine at work and you're having a conversation with somebody, yeah, there too. I mean, there is not a place where God doesn't desire us to be vocal and vibrant in our praise of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If it's really that good for me, will I be vocal and vibrant wherever I am? Will I be that light in any kind of moment? no matter how dark it might be or seem? Yes. So I believe the psalmist is calling you and me to be vocal and vibrant. Now, the psalmist doesn't leave us um, alone here. He gives us the, the answer to the why part. Why are we to be vocal and vibrant? Why should we be gathering together? Psalm 95, 3 and 5. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights and the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Now it's so easy for us to breeze through this, but please stop. Marvel in the creation of God. If you've ever seen a mountain, 
I mean, I, I think I've told the story before, but one time we f- visited uh, Phoenix, Arizona for the first time, way before we moved there. And I'll never forget driving on I-10 and seeing the mountains. And then the closer you get to the mountains, the bigger and more majestic they are. I mean, they're awesome. And when we moved there, I said, Lord, may I never take this for granted. Or if you've been by the ocean, where your eyes can't see the end of the ocean. Or let's get personal. You know, you you're holding your baby for the very first time. Little fingers, a button nose, the marvel of God, the, the power of God. Do you consider how majestic God is? We get only, we can glimpse this much of it. It's all we can take in. But are you in awe? I think that's what the psalmist is saying that we would be in awe so much that we would have a sense of call to be able to live that out, you know, this marvel in every relationship that we have, in every moment we have. All right, now verses 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. When are those things usually done? When you're in the presence of somebody greater than you. And I think, we'll just say as a country, we're losing sight of that. As a person, there are times I lose sight of how big and glorious God is. So I don't take time to bow down. I don't take time to kneel physically, maybe even spiritually. But when I get a glimpse of him, when I see just how big he is and how glorious he is, I hear the calling to bow. I hear the calling to kneel. In essence, ultimately saying, you're you're God, I'm not, and you're glorious. I believe these words, originally I, I said it's a call for reverence call for reverence. I'd like to say something different. You know, you've heard me talk about how um, what we're doing as Christians is not a religion. It's supposed to be a relationship with God. And if you heard me say that, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with just settling on the word relationship. Not because of God, because he is always perfect, but how we define a relationship. I'm finding, even in my marriage, my family, sometimes A relationship is about convenience. Is it convenient to be in the relationship? Is it convenient not to be? Is it convenient to be busy and doing? I think what the psalmist is saying is, yes, it is a reverence, but it also shows a reliance. Because when you bow down and when you kneel, I mean, you have kind of neutralized yourself. You can't move quickly when you kneel. You can't run. I think that's the picture. To bow and to kneel before God is to ultimately show this reliance and this, this need for this more powerful being named God who has demonstrated his love in a very profound way. All right, 7b, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then uh, this is a different 
um, version or translation of what follows. Drop everything and listen. Listen as he speaks. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising, referring a little bit to a historical event that happened. Um, But bottom line, get ready to respond. You hear, you see, you experience the good news of who God is, and now we respond with our lives. And I'm going to show you a picture of what I think is the perfect response. And maybe you've seen it. There's different versions of this. This is a picture of Jesus, so to speak, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has in front of him, he has before him, because he knows, his betrayal, arrest. He's going to be beaten bloody. He's going to be put on a cross. And he's going to go through all of this. And what does he do? He responds two times in the garden. He says, Father, take this cup from me. But what follows that? Anybody know? Not my will, but your will be done. Two times. He responds to his calling in his life with, I want to be obedient to you, God. I want to do your will, not mine. I want to follow where you want me to go because you are faithful. Psalm 95. There's a little bit more to go that you can go. But I want to take you on a journey. This is personal. Um, Last service, I got emotional. We'll see if I get emotional this service. My heart is breaking as I watch the news of what's happening in, in Afghanistan and in Haiti. I have to admit, the Afghanistan thing, I'm like, I don't know what I could do other than pray. Okay, so I'm doing that. But the Haiti one hits me right here. I got to go to Haiti 11 years ago, and if you know the timeline, that's about when they had their last earthquake. I went six months after the earthquake. So I got to know the town of, or the country of Haiti. I got to know the town of Port-au-Prince. I got to know the, uh, a mission called Mission of Hope. Um, I got to know what did the people of Haiti, what have they dealt with in their time? And let me just show you a picture because maybe you've seen this, maybe you know this, but Dominican Republic and Haiti are on the same island. And if you take a satellite view of that island, you will see the dividing line between Dominican Republic and Haiti. Okay, it's, it's not necessarily the red lines, but you can see where the green ends. During the history of Haiti, they have deforested and have taken away almost all the natural resources in Haiti. They have ripped the, the, the land of almost everything that's valuable. They've gone through corrupt governments. They have a religion that is just really strange. It's a combination of Catholic and... Um, um, I'm just trying to think of the, the term, but it's a, it's a cult. And they kind of blend it together so it looks kind of a little bit like Christian, but it's not. And so they have all these things kind of going on in their world. Well, my, my first trip to Haiti, I've been there a couple times, I got to meet somebody. And here's a picture of me with Job. Okay. It didn't start out like this, 
So uh, when you go and do the Mission of Hope thing in the afternoon, you get to go to the orphanages that are in the villages around. And I, um, my first stop at the first orphanage, we get out of what's called the canteen. It's just a big truck. You walk out. The doors fly open, and all these kids come running out. And they're jumping into the arms of all these adults that look different than them. My eyes locked on a little boy that was sitting and didn't budge and move. He wasn't one of the ones that ran out. He just sat there. So I went to the translator and I, um, I said, Can you, what's the story? So he goes and talks to the orphanage director and comes back and says, Job just came into the orphanage. His parents were just killed in the morning up in the mountains. He just became an orphan. And he's a little shell-shocked. So, um, it was time to do our thing. You know, we're there to, to share the gospel and, and to bring a treat. Now, for a treat, I know what a treat is for you. It could be candy or something. For a treat for them in Haiti, clean drinking water. So we bring this big five-gallon thing and these little Dixie cups. And so we're filling them up and giving them to the kids. And I take my cup and I go over by Job. And he's still sitting there. He wouldn't look up. And I just sat there. And I kind of put the cup out like this a little bit, hoping that he would take the bait, right? And after a little bit, his hand touched my hand. He took the water, came on my lap. And then we had some things to do, so, you know, Job was holding on. He didn't, he didn't want anything that was happening except for to be held. Then it was time to leave. Never forget my first training before I went to, uh, to do some missionary work was some guy said something like, it's harder to leave than to go. And at first it was like, I don't get that. This is so weird. I mean, all the work to get the shots and do all the paperwork and get all the stuff done at church so that you can leave and go to Haiti and fly and all that. But I got to know what it meant. When it was time to leave. He would not let go. He pulled and held on for dear life because it was dear life for him. I have a calling for Haiti. I don't know what that means yet. I don't know what you're hearing because I think God calls all of us differently at different times to do different things. But I'm going to say this. If you are sensing a calling in maybe the story I'm telling you with, and you're feeling like, you know, I, yeah, something. we got to do something. I've got some ideas. I've been working on some already. But if you are feeling a calling, please message me. Facebook, email, text, if you have my number, stop at church. I'd like to get a team of people together to talk about what we can do because there are things that can be done and make a big difference in the life of people like Job. Two years ago, to the day, almost, right? Yeah, yesterday, um, Gina and my wife Kristen and I went to Tennessee 
and it was a conference entitled Sing. And there was a composer writer named Andrew Peterson, and he had done just a brand new song called Is He Worthy? And you know, at the time, just again, I think our world has been crazy, will be crazy for a while. Um, you know, he talked about what's going on in the world, the craziness and all this. And, and the bottom line is, in the midst of all of that, God is still worthy of every bit of praise that we can muster up. And so I asked Chris um, early on in this week, can, can we have this song? Because I think it's really part of the calling. Because if we do believe that he's worthy, we will follow the call. If we feel like our leader is not worthy, we won't follow. I think it's really simple. So I hope the psalmist today, Psalm you know, 95, that you heard that this God is worthy, worthy of all the praise we can do, and that we should listen to this calling and we should follow. So we're going to end our service with uh, the singing of the song. So as you get to know it, feel free to join right in with it. Uh, but continue to pray for your personal calling and what God is calling you to do with who you are and the gifts he's given you. Amen. dark won't stop the light from coming through do you wish that you could see it all made new is all creation groaning the Lord to be the light within our midst is it good that we remind ourselves of this is anyone worthy is anyone whole is anyone to open the scroll the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave Is He worthy? Is He worthy of our blessing and honor and glory? Is He worthy Does the Father truly love us? He does. Or does the Spirit move?
Does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Please rise. Serve the Lord. Is anyone worthy?